Do you struggle to find answers to your pelvic health problems? Do you feel silenced in your quest to just feel better? Women, girls, sisters, if you have experienced infertility, PCOS, incontinence, painful periods, sexual trauma, and so much more associated with the pelvis, then Women's Pelvis Wellness is a place for you. Me and experts from around the world are joining here to get you the answers to the holistic health that you have been seeking. Please join us in being a pelvis wellness warrior. Okay, thank you again for joining us today for another installment of Women's Pelvis Wellness. And today I have a special guest. I always say that because everybody's special. <laughs> but Tara Thompson uh, from the Atlanta, Georgia area is with us today. And um, I met Tara um, actually through Facebook. I've never actually met her in person, but she's doing amazing things. And I'm super jazzed about all of the ways that she's helping um, women through pregnancy and postpartum. And I am just excited for you to share everything that's going on. So um, how did you kind of start out in this, I guess, this, you know, aspect of your life? Um, so <clears throat> um, I have three children of my own um, and two grandchildren right now. Um, but with my children during my pregnancies, um, I didn't have any like childbirth education. I didn't even, I've never even heard of a doula. Um, you know, I didn't know anything. I didn't take any classes or anything. So with my pregnancies, um, I basically just like, you know, was dependent on my doctor, you know, just listening to what the doctor said. And I never looked out for anything else um, on my own. So I thankfully had um, good pregnancies and then good labors and births as well, where I didn't have any medications or anything. Um, when I was younger, I had a, a neighbor of mine that was braiding my hair. Um, I think I was 16 years old. She was braiding my hair. And then, you know, we were sitting out on the step and she was like, you know, it's about to rain. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it's like sunny. And what, why would you say that? She said, um, you know, the spot where I had my epidural. And I'm like, what? Now her child is four. And that stuck with me. Cause I'm like four years later, she's still feeling this pain. So by the time I had my first child um, at 22, that was the education that I had <laughs> not to get an epidural. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what I went on, you know, what I went by and that's how, you know, I just, that's really what it was. My focus was just not getting an epidural. Cause I was like, this is one day, you know, that I'm going through this and <clears throat> You know, I don't want to feel something four years later. So I was like, you know, whatever I have to do. So that's basically all the ed education that I had as far as that. So um, years later, I became a massage therapist. And then during massage school, you know, a little bit of pregnancy training. Um, but then I became a certified infant massage instructor. Um, so I started doing that. And then I lived in New York at the time. So then we moved down to Georgia. Um, and I met someone and then I became, you know, um, I started working at the hospital where I started teaching infant massage and then they asked me to teach um, pregnancy for massage and labor where I teach couples how to massage, um, you know, the, the partner how to massage the expected mom during pregnancy and labor. So I started teaching that and that's how I got into, um, you know, just pregnancy itself. 
right. um, teaching that. So I've learned all this information. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like, and I put it like with comparing it to my births and labors and pregnancies. And I was like, you know, I could have helped. So I could have helped myself so much if I would have known this information. Um, <clears throat> but the biggest thing was the mindset you know, so helping people with that, because like I said, I didn't have any education. All I had was a mindset that I did not want to have the epidural. And that's, you know, basically how I got through and it was fine. Um, of course it wasn't fine. It was, it was, it was, you know, challenging and tough. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's really how I got started in pregnancy and labor. And, um, so in 2010, I became a birth doula. Um, and I forgot a few years after that, I got my training for postpartum doula as well. So just as the years go went on, you know, I just got more and more in depth in all this information and just, you know, I love working with women. I love pregnancy. I think pregnancy is amazing. I would have more, but you know, you got to have the kids after and grow up and all that other stuff. So I'm done. I'll stick with the grandkids now. But yeah. I love to love, love to help women, you know, throughout pregnancy. So I'm a massage therapist as well, as I mentioned, but I specialize in pregnancy and postpartum. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, that's really great. I, um, we took um, like a birth education class, you know, but it was such a joke. Like we literally didn't learn anything. Um, and I remember when I went in to have my first one, um, it ended up being an emergency C-section, but they wouldn't let me do what my body wanted to do. You know, I wanted to squat, I wanted to move and they were so, they were like, Oh, if you squat, you're going to push and you're not dilated enough. And I'm like, but I want to, you know, like I just wanted to, I just telling you to do that. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so what I find so fascinating now is that, um, you know, doulas are becoming more popular and midwifery is becoming more popular. And this is all old stuff. This is what our mommies and our grammies and our aunties and neighbors, sisters were helping us with before it ever became, you know, male centered and put in a hospital. So all of this stuff, this is old stuff that we're kind of, that's kind of how birth is supposed to be. Um, so I'm just glad that, you know, it, I'm glad that it is becoming more and more educational, um, so that women know, you know, like your body was literally made to do this, but we're not, we're, we've been told for, you know, many generations that we can't do it by safely ourselves. by ourselves at home with a trained, you know, midwife or, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I know a few couples actually the baby just came so fast before the paramedics got there and dad delivered it you know and they're and they're fine um yeah so it's it's fascinating and i and i love you know this aspect of it too so thank thank you for um coming on and just exposing it a little bit more yes yeah so very exciting. So, you know, in my business, what I do here, like I said, I do so many other things. So I'm a massage therapist, for one, I'm specializing in pregnancy and postpartum. I'm also a labor and postpartum doula, um, but I'm also a childbirth educator. So I teach, I'm certified in Lamaze, but I also teach evidence-based birth classes. And that's what I've been teaching um, currently um, because I just love those classes. Um, it's based, like I said, it's based on evidence. What I love about the program is um, the creator of the program, the founder, she is a, um, a nurse that went and got her PhD. Um, so 
she started the program because she was a nurse when she started having her children. And when she went into the hospital, she realized that they were um, <clears throat> treating her like a patient, you know, treating her like she had some medical condition and things. Yes. And she's like, and like you said, my body is telling me to do this, but she's like, they're like, no, you have to stay in the bed. They wouldn't even let her get up to go to the bathroom. They wouldn't let her eat, you know? So that's when, after that birth is when she went and researched and started all this, you know, she started blogging from there. And then she created this whole program that is just, um, you know, worldwide now. And it's amazing. And I love, love, love teaching it, especially the couples that are planning to give birth in the hospital. Um, you know, because when you're, you know, birthing at home or birthing in a person or different things like that, like you said, they're with the midwife, they are more, um, they sort of let you do what your body is telling you to do, you know, because right. um, they're not depending on the medications. And as far as the money are, the more we give you, the more we can get paid um, type of mentality. They don't have that, you know, especially right. if you're doing a home birth. Um, it's this more, the less, is, less that we do, the better for you. And that's how it should be. But unfortunately, that's not how it is in the hospital. So with these right. classes, it helps to help them to educate them for one, be informed, know how to ask questions, even um, prior to you, you know, going into labor. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people ask me, like, when should I take the childbirth classes? Um, <clears throat> you know, and a lot of people, like, when I used to teach at the hospital, I used to see people coming in at, you know, 35, 36, 37 weeks. And by the time I'm giving them this information, they're like, oh, well, it's too late for me to switch now. When actually it really isn't, but at that point in their pregnancy, a lot of people are not going to. Sure. So I do recommend that anywhere from like 20 weeks on, you know, you can take these classes because again, it's giving you information to help you, um, for one, know what questions to ask your provider to make sure you're on the same page. You may think this person is wonderful and have a wonderful personality, but when it comes time to your, um, what you believe in, you know, as far as beliefs and both of you, you may be off with that, you know, and you're asking them right. questions and they're like, no, I'm sorry, we don't do that. You know, so it's better for you to find out that information early on. Um, and then this way you can, um, you know, just change providers if you have to. Sure. Be comfortable. I was going to ask a quick question. Um, mm -hmm. Is delivering at home with a midwife legal in Georgia? No. Unfortunately, it's not. No. See, and I, that's just crazy to me. And I, I started learning, you know, obviously through what I'm doing, I'm learning more and more. And there are several states where it's like a felony with a prison sentence if for the midwife, if they help a woman deliver at home. Exactly. Yeah. Now, come on. I know. And like you said, this is what we used to do years ago. So why, and it's sad that, you know, we've come to this point um, because it is, you know, depending on hospitals and their whole establishment and, you know, as far as money, it, it's just, it's sad that it's just around money, you know, because in the hospital, the more they do to you, the more money they get. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, when men took over women's health is when it started to tank. Yeah. I mean, I really just don't believe like it's, I mean, it's, it's the truth, you know, who better to teach you about your body and about birthing than, you know, your women in your life who've had several babies. I mean, it just, it. <laughs> it just blows my mind, you know, but you know, let's have a man teach us about pregnancy and delivery. Like they literally can't, they have no, I mean, I shouldn't say that they can definitely give you the science behind it. 
you know, obviously medical intervention is necessary in several cases, but I also wonder is if we were supported properly and encouraged properly, would those medical interventions would have even, would they have even been necessary? You know, I mean, I ended up with a C-section after my water had been broken for 14 hours. I'd been on Pitocin on my back basically for 12 hours and I didn't even dilate to four, wow. you know? Like you said, they wouldn't let you move. Like they wouldn't you let me move. To move. Like, yeah. how is this, it just only makes sense. Like you said, you know, between a man's male's perspective and a female, because just in general, your body, if you're in an upright position, gravity is going to help. The baby has to come down. Right. Okay? Not like the baby's going to just shoot out the side or right. you know, do something. So you laying yeah. there is much harder, you know, for the baby to come down because now the baby is doing all the work. Right. As far as you helping them, you know, you're participating in that. So that's why, you know, those upright positions are so very important. But they're and telling women them, oh, did not yeah. give birth on their back. The reason why women give birth on their backs with their legs spread is so that the doctor can see. So they can see. They're that's more comfortable. literally the only reason. That's position, exactly. Yep. And that's like you said, but years ago, that male, you know, obstetrician said that this was a good idea. This way they can be sitting right here comfortably, you know, in their chair and then have the moms up in that position so they can see. Yes. And they don't have to do anything. Whereas I've seen midwives in births where they're all in crazy positions, you know, just getting down there because yeah. whatever mom, you know, needs to push and give birth, they're there to catch, you know, to right. help to birth that baby. So, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful really, really different, you know, as far as, like you said, male and female. And, you know, as far as the legality in the state here, we were really, I had know a lot of midwife, um, home birth midwives that were, you know, at the state capitol and going down and, you know, really fighting and we were getting close and then the pandemic happened. So all of that shut down. So we're like at a pause right now. So, you know. Well, I know in Alabama, it just became legal two years ago, yeah. but because everything takes so dang long to get through, um, they still aren't really able to enforce it there. And that's and the doulas aren't being allowed in the hospitals because they're not, you know, I mean, they're, you can have one support person that obviously is probably going to be your husband or the father of the baby or maybe your mom. You know, there really aren't a lot of people who are going to choose the doula over family. And you can, you know, so that's, yeah, really a bummer. Yeah. It really is. Yes. So I know that you recently left your job at the hospital to kind of go out on your own. Yeah. So tell me how that is. How is that going? So it's it's exciting. It's a lot. It's busy, you know, very busy. Um, but just trying to get the word out, that's the biggest thing. So um, I really appreciate you doing this. So I do. I love this. Um, but helping to just, you know, spread the word because like I said, with all the pandemic, like you said, with hospitals and different things, and they're not allowing doulas in. And, you know, I taught classes there and, you know, they really, they changed even the chopper of classes. And I'm like, seriously, like how, 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 what, what are they supposed to learn? Whereas normally like our eight hour classes, our eight hour chopper classes are now three and a half hours. And I was like, how did you expect me to give them? Well, you know everything now. Exactly. <laughs> Three and a half hours. Like, okay, now you're ready to give birth. It's like, well, and you also have to think too that these women are pregnant. I mean, you know how you are when you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I forgot stuff all the time. Like they're going to need to hear this information more than one time. Yes. To yes. retain it, you know. Exactly. And that's another reason why I love evidence-based birth. Just because like you have three or six months access to the information. So, and then it's like in little video clips. So it's not like they're giving you all this, you know, where you have to binge watch all this information at one time. It's like, you know, because the human mind, you know, you sit there, what, 15, 20 minutes and you start to drift off and you're not absorbing anything, you know, and then you have to like come back like, okay, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> you know, yeah. so you can, and it is in little video clips and the longest I believe is like 15, 16 minutes. So you can watch it. And again, you have, you can go back and as many times as you want, you know, to have that information. I had a, a birth where I attended, well, it was a virtual um, birth or labor and the dad is texting me. And as he's asking me questions, you know, I'm responding and he says, "Never mind, they already did it. So it's like, you know, for one, he didn't have that information. He didn't take my childbirth class. He took another one. Um, so he didn't have that information at his fingertips, you know, right there. And by the time he tried to get to me and they were already, so it's just, it's, it's really sad on what's happening out there. So that's another reason why I had to leave the hospital right. just because of what they're doing. And, you know, it didn't align with where I, I am, you know, at this point and me trying to educate and help people. So I felt that it was a conflict of interest. So I Definitely. had to yeah. Well, I mean, when you are delivering in a hospital and, and I know like people who, you know, hear that, hear my uh, podcast a lot. I mean, you probably think that I just, you know, I'm a total like Western medicine basher and I'm not, I just think there's definitely a time and a place. And when you deliver in a hospital, number one, that is tons of germ exposure, tons of germ exposure and everything is done seriously everything is done for the quickness and for the convenience of the staff and again it's a medical condition like we something's wrong with you we need to fix it and it's completely backwards you know the woman should completely be running the show a hundred percent um i've even had clients tell me that um they weren't dilating quick enough and I don't know all the circumstances, but that the um, OB actually cut their cervix. What? Yes. Two clients told me that. And I was like, what? I, I literally didn't believe them because I thought, How? I mean, that's like, I mean, in my, that's assault. Like, in my opinion, that's assault. And well, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> Assaults, you know, in labor and hospitals and all that other stuff. Um, but I was completely baffled and I said, it wasn't an episiotomy, like mm -hmm. it was actually your cervix. And they said, yes, that it was the cervix that they cut. And I'm like, that's not going to be good, like ever, but for future pregnancies, exactly. wild. I was blown like, away. You know, the convenience, you know, for them. And it's really right. sad. And, and I keep giving back, bringing back to, you know, the evidence-based birth. But yeah. again, they teach you that, you know, how to um, know the difference. And like you said, that is assault, um, you know, and some people don't realize that or even know that. But, you know, for you to have the informed choices and knowing to make a decision. And it could have been something where, you know, if they would have been asking this provider questions ahead of time during their pregnancy, during their prenatal visits, they may have picked up on something saying, maybe this is not the right provider for me you know what I mean? Right. And been able to switch earlier on as opposed to. Yeah. 
Well, and the part of the problem with that is who is your insurance going to cover? It's them. And, you know, you know? And what's sad is that they say things because I've heard, um, you know, couples have come back to me and said, well, they said, if I don't do this, then my insurance is not going to pay for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? They said something, I forgot what it's called, but they put down on the insurance papers, you know, so um, whatever code or whatever that they use saying that they refused treatment or whatever. So the insurance is not, or they, they refuse the medical something and the insurance is not going to cover it. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So it, it's, it's really sad of what's happening. But again, um, this information I'm trying to get out to educate women. Right. Um, so with the classes, I've been, um, you know, teaching more of the classes virtually. And now I love it because now we can teach, you know, within the U.S. Um, as opposed to prior to the pandemic, we were locally to only to um, Georgia, you know, about okay. in our radius. But now we can okay. teach over the U.S. So I do like that. Um, so anybody can take it even where you are. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's amazing. Classes also. Um, so then, yes, I was able to expand, you know, and just do more things because Really, I have more time on my hand, you know, after I left. Um, so I'm still doing massage. I work with the Pregnancy Massage Center. Um, and I'm doing a childbirth classes with evidence-based birth virtually. And now I'm really excited. I started um, postpartum check-ins. So, um, yeah, tell me about these boxes that you're doing. Yes. This is wonderful. So, so those are trimester treat boxes. So that's even different from the postpartum check-ins. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. cool. So well, the then you just go ahead and tell me. <laughs> so the postpartum check-ins are, um, it's basically we go out um, to, you know, the home and check in on mom. Um, and it's really for moms that, again, had home birth, I mean, had hospital births because, mm -hmm. You know, when you're discharged from the hospital, what is it, 24 to 48 hours, you know, that you're discharged from the hospital after birth, you don't go back to your provider for six weeks. Um, California really tried to push for three weeks. I'm not sure if that went through or not, you know, for their um, postpartum visit. Hopefully it has. But again, like you said, it takes time to do these things. So, um, you know, so between that time, 48 hours and six weeks is a long time after you've just had a baby. Yeah. Like anything can happen, you know, mentally, physically, anything can happen. So what our program or what we're doing is going into the home between that time from discharge, <clears throat> excuse me, to six weeks. And we're just really checking in and that's all. And it's so we're um, certified um, nurse, nurse assistants and um, we're just checking them like their vitals, you know, seeing how they are, the temperature, their blood pressure, visually looking at them, you know, seeing how they look, you know, what's going on, and then just asking them questions, <clears throat> excuse me, questions that they may not have thought of, you know, questions that a lot of times we notice with postpartum moms, um, things happen, but they think, oh, I just had a baby, this is probably normal, yeah. you know, or they call their girlfriend down the street, and they're like, yeah, girl, yeah, that happened to me too, but it could be something different, it could be a little more, it could be, you know, their medical background, anything can happen, you know, right. so basically a service that we're just kind of going in to check in um, just to see how they are. It's, it hasn't, um, I really wanted it to be really big and to go out a little more, but because of the pandemic, it's really hard to have people to go out, you know, where everyone is safe. So, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, as much as, so it's kind of small right now, hopefully, you know, once this whole thing is over, we can really get it out there. Yeah. Um, but that um, is the program that I started then. So my, so how, how often, how, like, how often do you go out to see them in that six week time period? 
So or ideally, what is, what's the program? Yeah, so it's usually the one visit, um, and it's like two to three hour visit where we're, again, checking on them, asking them questions. You know, it's about 10 different things that we're going through, um, seeing how they are, if they want to talk, um, and then also giving them um, fruits and vegetables, a bag of fruits and vegetables, because, you know, nourishment is also important, especially right. just, you know, after having a baby, it's important to stay nourished. Um, right. So we also do that. So. Um, we also have like Nourish in Atlanta, which is uh, a program that we're starting where 10% of all of our proceeds from our classes, our gift boxes, everything is going towards this Nourish in Atlanta program. So it's a donation base. So this way we can just go out, we're not checking in on them, but we're just delivering uh, fruits and vegetables to um, the underserved, underprivileged communities. Um, you know, it's really the black and indigenous communities um, right. that have like the highest postpartum, you know, maternal mortality rates yes. and different things like that. So, you know, trying to help that. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing I wanted to touch on too is that what's so, what's different about how it used to be and how it's supposed to be is that after birth, we don't have our community of women who are coming in and checking on us and I mean, when I, after I had my son, my oldest, I totally didn't remember to eat for like almost three whole days. And my mom came over and, you know, and I had had a C-section and he was jaundice and we were working, like trying to get me a breast pump and trying to get him the Billy light and, oh God, just, and I had to go and apply for nursing school. So just like all of this stuff was happening. And um, my mom came over and she said, Amy Lee, are you even eating? And I looked at her and I'm like, I don't even know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was dehydrated. I was starving. I totally had the baby blues and it was just me and, you know, his dad who, and he didn't have any, you know, experience at all with, you know, other than babysitting. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, she basically made me like your a mom was your check-in, and that's exactly what yeah. we're doing. Your mom yeah. was postpartum check-in. You know, like you said, three days later, you haven't eaten. You know, and it's like you didn't even think about it. It was not a thought in your mind no. because you were so focused on this baby. Yeah, and you know, and like you said, now you know. Whereas before communities used to gather, there's so many other countries where, you know, mom doesn't do anything. I had a, co a couple one time where I was doing childbirth education and they said, yeah, my mom is coming over. She said, because I think they were from Brazil. <clears throat> she said, they are not allowed to do anything. She said, they can't even cook because um, something about it's with their culture, it's believe, believe that um, getting close to a stove would dry up their milk or whatever, oh. but they're not allowed to cook. Yes. Yeah. It's like, I was like, wow. Whatever works, man. <laughs> um, but, you know, the mom was coming over to help. But like you said, you know, here we don't have that. And yeah. now that we're in a pandemic, it's even worse because even right. if someone was going to try to come over, now it's like, um, you know, where have you been? I don't know if I want you around me or my baby, you know, sort of thing. So right. really, it's, it's really sad of what's happening now, you know, yeah. especially to our women, um, you know, for one, not having that support during labor, not having that support, mm -hmm. you know, because if they can only have that one person and it's the partner that doesn't know much or how to help, you know, and then now, um, you know, coming home and not having that. And if you have that partner that works, so now you're home all day with the baby by yourself. And then, you know, so it's a lot. 
it really is a lot. So I would like to bring more attention to postpartum, you know, just Absolutely. because, you know, now it's great that, you know, information and education is out there for um, um, pregnancy, you know, labor, birth, and then it's like we've dropped the ball. Right. You know, postpartum, it's like really no information out there. So I really, really want to bring more attention to that. Yeah. And I had three C-sections, which is a massive abdominal surgery. And there is no rehab. It's basically signs and symptoms of infection. And people just treat you like you just had a baby. Oh, you just had a baby. I had a massive abdominal surgery. Many, so many complications could happen. You know, thankfully they didn't with me, but it's, it's so much more. I mean, then you're caring for, you know, this baby, you're having to deal with all of those hormone shifts, especially for a new mom and you've never experienced it before, but really anyone, I mean, every pregnancy and recovery is completely different, just like your children are completely different. And yeah, I just, yeah, it just, it just blows my mind, you know? And then, of course, for African-Americans, it's three to four times more likely yes. to have complications or problems or something with it. So, yes, definitely. Yeah. Like you said, it's major surgery, whereas a lot of times they're like, oh, it's just a C-section, you know, it's birth, and they try to downplay it. But, no, you're right. It is major surgery, and it should only be done in cases of emergency. I thank God that they are out there because they are life-saving procedures. Right. But in this country, it is so overused. Right. It really is, and it's sad. Well, and, you know, I think had I had more support, had I had, you know, proper, um, you know, encouragement and education, and if I was allowed to move and squat, maybe I would have never had to have that surgery. So my birth photos could have been beautiful instead of everybody in a blue sterile or green sterile, like, you know, and then you don't get to hold your baby. You don't get to bond, you know? So that's, yeah, it's just... We need to, we need to take it back. Yeah. <laughs> Too, whereas, um, you know, there are providers out there that do family centered cesareans, you know, where you can hold your baby right in that, you know, the surgical suite, right? In oh. the um, so there are some providers that do that, but again, you have to make sure you have a provider that does that. If that is the case, if it's going to happen, you know, some people, of course, like I said, it is a life-saving procedure where yeah. they have some sort of medical issue or something going on and they know ahead of time that we have to schedule a C-section for everyone to be safe. And I understand that. I totally get that. Yeah, for sure. You know, there are some providers, like I said, that are offering that. So you want to find that provider that, you know, and there are a few in the Atlanta area, but you have to find them. You have right. to know and you want to speak to them ahead of time and let them know, you know, where that's. And there, are, and there are also providers out there that schedule C-sections around their vacations. So, yeah, <laughs> and that's a real thing. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah, you know? And it's overused here. It, but you have to think about it too, because, you know, in the U.S., we have so many more obstetricians than we do midwives. In other countries, they have so many more midwives than they do obstetricians. Right. Okay? And what happens with obstetricians, they go to school for years, you know, and then they have the residency for years, but they're training for surgery. So they are surgeons. This is what they do. They're not right. training for natural births. You no. know, they're not training for water births. It's, it's how many do they actually do, actually, you know, sit through, through all their years of training. And it's probably, you can count on one hand. Oh yeah. They're not with you through the birth. They're there to catch. 
Exactly. You know? Yeah. So I know um, where I am in Wausau, Wisconsin, we have a very large Hmong population. And, um, you know, the Hmong people, they're the hill people um, that helped us during, you know, the Vietnam War and everything. So that's why they're here. Um, but they would always deliver at home and do everything natural. And they would save the placenta and they would do whatever they do with it, you know. And they have all of their, you know, cultural things and their, you know, religious things or spiritual beliefs or whatever. And um, I remember working in the hospital and many of them, um, when they were first coming over, I was hearing the stories. Now they've, a lot of them have kind of been Americanized, you know, um, but they refused to deliver if there was a male in the room. Really? They would literally hold it. They would literally not push and then, um, and like, you know, at home squatting. So they would like lay a sheet on the floor and then, you know, our teacher said she couldn't so many, as soon as that doctor was out, they pushed that baby out wow. on the floor by themselves, <laughs> you know, because they just, they're, you know, they didn't want a male doctor there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And how many male obstetricians are there now? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it would be interesting, you know, just to have to actually have your OB sit with you through the whole entire labor, you know, see, see what you're actually going through because, you know, um, even well, and the, and the female OBs, they're trained by men in a male system, in a male society. So they, you know, a lot of times they don't get it until they have a child of their own, Yes. you know, and then sometimes they shift and sometimes they don't. And that's what I was going to say. Some do. Some do because I have, um, there's a lot of, uh, well, a few. I'm not, I'm not going to say a lot. <laughs> there are right. a few of these that I know that, you know, are obstetricians and they've actually, you know, done a home birth or they've done at the birth center or they've, you know, sought out other. Whereas wherever they work, they're like, no, I don't want to give birth there. And that's really sad to hear, you know. But, yeah. You know, but like I said, they know, you know, so it's good that they are there because they are making a difference, you yep. know, where they are. So I'm glad that, that, that they are there. Um, so there are a few out there that, you know, know what's happening and see what's happening and they are, you know, trying to make a difference. So not all be all be not all OBs are bad. I'm not oh, saying definitely all, not. Because there are so many, there are some really, really good ones. Yeah. Not even like, I'm like, are you really an OB? I think you're a midwife in disguise. <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> like the one that, you know, um, um, that helped with my grandson, uh, four years, oh my gosh, I love, love, love her. Um, but she, again, I was like, you know what? I don't think you're an OB. I think you're a midwife in disguise. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. So, uh, my trimester treats. Is the yes. I wanted. That's, so that is the last thing we just launched that um, last week, a couple of days ago. It, it, everything is all these days are all running together. Yeah, I think it was last week. I feel like I saw I saw your live or something last week. Okay, thank you. So last week we launched our trimester treats. So that's our pregnancy subscription boxes. We are so excited about that. So um, instead of, you know, because it's other um, subscription boxes out there, but we're not doing a monthly subscription. We're doing trimesters. So 
um, it's information, well, it's, it's products that, you know, are used within this trimester. Um, like the first one has a lot of things that have to deal with, you know, the nausea or it has books. It has um, Rebecca Decker's and that's the one that created evidence-based birth that has her book. Um, so you can get that in the beginning. You can read that information in the beginning and right. know, you know what you need to do and how you need. So it'll help you in the beginning to make these decisions and not wait until the end. You know, so it has that information. So that's what the first trimester. Second trimester helps you with, um, you know, now your body is changing. Now your body is growing. Now, you know, things are happening now. And it's like, okay, now things may be aching, like pulling and stretching. And, you know, now you have these breasts that you didn't have before. Or now, yeah. you know, with your uterus growing. So now your back, your lower back, and especially now, um, if you're on a computer a lot, you know, especially with our virtual and everything that we're doing, if you're on a computer a lot. So you're feeling aches and pains and different things that you haven't felt before, you know, just growing pains, you know, sure. so a lot of the second trimester is focused on that. Third trimester is our labor box and it is sort of focused on labor. So it helps you and it gives you things that you will need in labor. Um, and then we have a fourth trimester because fourth trimester is a thing, <laughs> you know, yeah. again, Trying to really push this so I have t-shirts out that says fourth trimester is a thing I want to do like a um a um I um I um I can't think of the word right now oh my oh gosh my anyway <laughs> you want to sell the t-shirts and then you know have that donation go to the nourish in Atlanta program oh um, but with the fourth trimester it is like we said, you know, postpartum, you know, what's happening with your body postpartum to kind of help you to deal and adjust with life with a baby mm -hmm. and, you know, your body not being pregnant anymore because right. that, you know, is a big thing too. You know, mentally and physically, your body just went through a lot, okay? It was like nine months, you know, really 10 because of 40 weeks, but nine months for your body to prepare. To yeah, why do they say that? Why do they say that? I don't that? know. <laughs> mentally you're trying to sounds better yeah <laughs> um but again helping your body you know it takes that time to prepare but so many women are so hard on themselves thinking that you know right after i have this baby i need to bounce back to my size where i was oh yeah that's a big one yes and I no. <laughs> nope <laughs> Give your body a chance especially if you're nursing if you're you know your body your body has changed a lot you know it has to, uh, so many hormones and everything is going on um, again, just physically and mentally, your body went from being pregnant, giving birth to this baby, and now not having a baby inside of them. It's like, okay, wait, what is happening? You know, so right. time to adjust. And, and it took you 10 months to gain that weight. Exactly. So give yourself, you know, a year and a half. <laughs> and by then you're pregnant again. <laughs> At least that was my case. <laughs> and I've had, um, you know, women come in sometimes and they're like okay it's six weeks now and I had so I should be back to my size like no six weeks sometime yes yes so. I tell women that's the absolute last thing you should be thinking about right now <laughs> because honestly hormones control everything you know and if you try to lose weight that soon and you're not gonna be able to breastfeed <laughs> for one thing your milk's gonna dry up you know I mean you have to do what your body naturally wants to do. And when you have a baby, you just give birth that your, ba your body wants to eat. And so, yeah, when I um, have people in my life who have babies that I'm close to, I go, I get big, huge pads, whatever their favorite candy is. And then like some really, 
you know, just some good comfort food, you know, like soups or chowders or something that's full of, you know, warmth and goodness. That's what we wanted to do for the Nourish in Atlanta program because we've modeled that program. And that's like I said, our donation base. So we're trying to get that out there too. But we've modeled that program from, you know, a bigger program, which is in California and it's called Nourish. And theirs, they have a, it's a six week program where they get moms. um, And for six weeks, they are feeding the moms and they have, you know, they partnered with restaurants. And so it's cooked meals that they have. Oh, wonderful. And it's, but they have like a large, you know, help with volunteers and, you know, it's, and they've been doing this, putting this together for a long time. So um, I didn't want to wait till I got to that point. I wanted to start somewhere. Um, right. You know, so I figured I'd start small here with the fruits and vegetables because that's important, you know, and then I ultimately want to grow to that too, you know, because right now it's just a bag that we're giving to, you know, a mom. Right. But if we can give six weeks worth of food postpartum, are you kidding me? Do you know how life-changing that can be for some people? Yeah, that's huge. Oh my you know, sometimes there are, there are moms groups or church groups that will have like a food chain, yes. you know, kind of like their phone chain. And um, our prayer chain, rather, and those those are really really wonderful. I was part of one of those organizations, and yeah, it was six weeks um, that everybody just signed up to take a meal a couple days a week or something. And I mean, it's so important because you just don't remember, yes. you know, or you shouldn't have to. You have like you should just be that. resting and cuddling that baby exactly. and sleeping as much as you can, <laughs> you know, because you need to recover. Yeah, during uh, my childbirth classes, I do suggest the meal train also, whereas, um, you know, they have people sign up. If you are going to have people come over to visit or something, you know, do something worthwhile, whereas having them um, bring a meal. You know, a lot of people want to help, you know, and a lot of people, for one, they don't want to bring another onesie. For one, you don't need another onesie, and is your baby going to wear it? They're not going anywhere now, (laughs) you know? Right. Why do they need it? You know, so when you have like a million clothes and different things that they, you know, so many, and I've done it myself, had so many tags on clothes that, you know, after the baby has grown out of it, you know, they don't even get to wear all these things. So why, you know, spend the money or something like that? Whereas they can do something that really can benefit everyone, you know, because if mom can eat, um, then baby can eat, you know, and baby can be healthy. So mom doesn't have to cook, then it's giving them more time to rest and, you know, be able to be there to bond more with that child. Mm-hmm. So when someone comes over, instead of bringing a onesie, bring a meal, you know, come over, do a load of the laundry. And, yes. you know, and I tell them, and sometimes, you know, with the partners and they're like, well, I don't want them touching my underwear. I understand that they don't have to wash your underwear, but do the baby's laundry. The baby yeah. gets a lot of laundry, even if they're not going or to wash the dishes or vacuum or who, who knows, scrub yeah. a toilet, you know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, the bathroom is important. You want to keep that clean too, you know, yeah. so and you may not want to be down scrubbing your toilet or your shower, right. or, you know, something like that. So it is important. You know, and you could also, if you are in, if you, of course, given the current state, you know, if somebody is comfortable, if they have multiple children, you know, take the older ones, you know, if that's possible, just, you know, take, take you know, the older ones for a while. Cause I have three and each C-section was harder to, you know, recover from because I had more to do at home. Um, you know, I, I didn't mow the lawn. I didn't do steps. I did all the things I was supposed to do, but I still had two other children that I had to drive around and I had to, you know, care for them. So, you know, sometimes a break 
you know, for even just an afternoon so I could sleep would have been great. <laughs> even, that even if the children are close in age, like you said, a year, a year and a half, two years apart, you know, that older child doesn't understand why now you can't be in play and get down on the floor with them like you used to, you know, right. or why you're spending so much time with this new baby and not time with me. So yes, yeah. that's important too, you know, for that, if someone can take that, or even just come over and spend time with the child, you know, even right. if you don't to make them feel special exactly you know when you're bringing something bring something for the older child too you know yeah yeah exactly like you said just to help them to feel special and then you know because if that older child has peace then everyone has peace (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah sometimes it's like that for sure Mm -hmm. oh this is so great well this has been a lot of information packed into a lot and I just want to have an open invitation for you to come back on the podcast when you get more programs going or if something new happens. Um, Cause I think this is really, really important, but if you could just really quick kind of give a shout out and let people know um, how they can find you and how they can get involved. Okay. Well, thank you so much. So um, my website is www.tarasbirthservices.com. Um, and on Instagram, I am taradthompson.co. Um, I have on Facebook, I'm Tara Thompson, and I also have Tara's Birth Services. So that's how you find me on social media. Um, again, going through my website, we are trying to keep up with the, everything that's going on. So sure. we, don't, we don't know how to create a donation button yet, whereas it will all go to you know, the program instead of, you know, like some taking out a portion of this or going here. We're trying sure. to make all goes there so that's where we're trying to do now um so reach out to us if you would like to make a donation but again with the donations we have a donation based program where we are um focused on nourish in atlanta we are giving um, fruits and vegetables a bag of fruits and vegetables to a postpartum mom um and um we are actually participating in a walk on november 7th um so don't have the link to that. I apologize, but I do plan to post it on my website. Um, But with that walk, it's um, because, you know, um, October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. So I had a mom um, that I was working with virtually. It's actually a friend of a family, but um, she, I worked with her virtually with her first child. Um, Her second child, she lost. um, So she wants to do a walk. So she is um, taking a portion of those proceeds and donating to um, the Nourish in Atlanta program. So Wonderful. we're really excited about that. Yes. So it's $22 to participate in that. And you can do it virtually um, and you'll get a t-shirt and I forgot what else, but, you know, to kind of help with that. So it's called Walking with Wings. Um, you know, and again, that's for pregnancy and infant awareness. So yeah. have that. Well, plan. and I, this is just super interesting to me, but can you tell people who are listening um, how, because I'm actually kind of interested, you know, in learning more about how do you start this Nourish program? Because obviously you're modeling after California. Yes. I mean, every, it could be like Nourish Wisconsin, Nourish Illinois, yes. Nourish yes. all yes. over. So yes. how, how can we find information on getting that started? So if you go to the Nourish program, which again, was based out of California. So the, the, the company is Mother to Mother Postpartum. Um, okay. Like I said, that's in postpartum. And their program is just called Nourish. Um, yeah. You know, and they sent out, and you can email them and, you know, just reach out to them and they will help you because, like I said, um, we wasn't able to um, 
call ourselves nourish because of sure, course they've already got it exactly for everything there but they said you know you can definitely do nourish in atlanta so they gave us the idea and i was like i love that so yes that is my goal for other places because that is something yes i want i will send you the information if yes you please do because yes. all of the stuff will be put into the show notes okay so people can read all of it okay awesome yeah awesome. wonderful i will send you that information Yes. Oh, this has been so good. I feel like I could just talk to you for hours. Nourish programs are all over. This would be so amazing. Yes. It would be. It would, it would, definitely, it would definitely change things. I follow um, some midwives on Facebook and um, birthing centers and stuff on Instagram. And they always basically say, you know, women have to take back birth. And I was like, why was birth ever removed from women anyway? <laughs> involved <laughs> that's yeah, i'm the one doing it yeah. oh, they can be helpful they can be a good support system but sometimes they need to stand aside <laughs> yeah, exactly. wonderful thank you so much tara for your time i really appreciate it i really did enjoy this so thank you so much thank you for joining me today on women's pelvis wellness where you can be heard because remember if you're not being heard you're not being helped Please join my Facebook group by the same name, Women's Pelvis Wellness, and join a community of women who are there for you to support you, guide you, and love you through your pelvic health struggles. Also, this is a great place to check out my new class schedule. Thank you for joining me in becoming a pelvis wellness warrior.